All right. Since uh, our main topic today uh, focuses on the um, documentary that premiered over the weekend, Sunday, to be uh, exact, um, The Last Dance focused on Chicago Bulls, I was interested in your opinion about the comparison from 90s basketball to today's basketball, uh, mainly the hype and talent. Do you think that we've surpassed it? Or do you think that, you know, those 90 fans, the diehards still have an argument? Like, is there still, is a comparison still worth our time? I think overall, there may be more talent in the league, but things are different, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I felt too, in the sense that I think um, I think there's there's way more talent. There, there's just it's a different type of athlete. I think, and you see it in the documentary. Uh, the, back in the '90s, everybody was big. It's about being tall. It's about being you know right. that big. But now it's faster. It's 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 stronger. It's a lot different. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. In terms of hype, I don't know. Like. Uh, I think people still watch the NBA, but something about that like late '90s NBA. I mean, yeah, I don't it's know. Differently, it's right. different. Like people watch now, but it's not the same. It, right. I don't think it's the same as much as like maybe the early 2000s, like the Lakers, Spurs. Right. Right. It's different. I agree. So yeah. Welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. We're your hosts, Lauren and Brandon. Enjoy the show. All right. Uh, today in history, what looks for us? Yeah, um, couldn't find too much, but I used to watch this show all the time with my grandmother. And um, uh, today in history, the 21st of April, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger aired, so thought that was pretty interesting. I, I can't remember the year. It was it was in the nineties, obviously, but um, right, right. Yeah, I just saw that. So, and ironically, the CW is rebooting that. So yeah, which is like okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't need that. Exactly. I'm not sure what his politics would be like now. I don't really want to find out either. Right, it's just, okay. <laughs> we'll move on to our first segment, which is headlines. And we have some big announcements sort of this week. First, we have some more COVID-19 casualties as both San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con and the National Spelling Bee have been canceled for the first time in their respective histories. Um, yeah. It's crazy, I guess. I didn't know Comic-Con was 50 years old. Yeah, near did I. That's a... That's totally insane. Yeah, I thought that was like a 90s type thing. And then Spelling Bee has been going on since like... Yeah, forever. Forever, so definitely some firsts going on. Uh, next, HBO Max finally announced its release date of May 27, and they gave us a slew of trailers, updated us on some projects. Um, apparently the Friends reunion won't be recorded in time. Mm. 
was me. Um, but we we did get some trailers for some uh, launch shows, that, which included, I guess, the Saved by the Bell reboot. Um, that nobody asked for. Right. Um, there were some things that looked interesting, interesting, but uh, yeah. Yeah. There's another streamer to push out content. Yeah. Um, and lastly, Amazon partnered with South by Southwest finally announced the films they were going to um, screen free um, for their film festival since South by Southwest was canceled. Right. Organization gave filmmakers the option to allow their films to be seen for free through Prime Video or who anyone for for anyone who has an Amazon account. Okay. So from April twenty seventh through May sixth, those films will be available for viewing, and they range from documentaries to narrative features to short films to short documentaries and episodic. So okay, that might be something to get into. Definitely. Um, near the end of the month, basically next week. So, Yeah, I'll definitely check some of those out. I'm looking at the list now. It may be something I want to like print off. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it, it should be interesting. It just kind of shows the different ways some of these festivals are trying to still remain relevant right. in COVID-19 and still offer the opportunity to for the yeah. art to be seen and whatnot. So... It'll be interesting post COVID nineteen whether this becomes something that more of them do. I mean, they're not South by Southwest isn't going to scratch going to Austin, but I wonder if they'll think of this platform like. Mm-hmm, definitely, and it just it just gives them the opportunity because everyone can't go to festivals right, right. or whatnot, or or just not able to attend. So it definitely gives it to a larger audience, which can only be a good thing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. Right. That's our headlines. We'll now transition to not our TV segment here where we have um, episodes of Westworld, The Plot Against America, and Killing Eve to discuss. And we'll just go ahead in that order. Um, Episode six of Westworld, Decoherence. A lot happened in this episode. setting up our rival um, teams here, I guess you'd yeah. say. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. I think that's that's one of the first things I pulled out is that I think the uh, the lines have been drawn against in terms of who's against who. There's definitely Maeve versus, um, oh God, what's her name? Dolores. Right, right. So, um, What did you think of the William uh, narrative here and where he'll end up? I was, I won't say I was confused. I understood. The only thing is I was confused about came at the end when Bernard found him. And I was just curious of like how long he had been there. Right. um, It was interesting to kind of get his background and see all that. But yeah, in terms of where he'll end up, I have no clue. I, I feel like he, you know, everybody has what they want. And I feel like his, what he wants is to burn it all down in a different way than, than Dolores. I think he wants to just, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. He's sort of looking for, I mean, he's sort of 
run his course. Now it's just sort of, yeah, kind of, I guess, sort of coming to coming to an end. Like she told him, this is the end of the game. Like, right. He doesn't really have much left to give. No, no. And then we got the um, hair herring. Well, what I was trying to say, the horrible ending. <laughs> Yeah, it literally made me scream. Like I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, no. um, Charlotte, hell, aka another Dolores. Right. Um, she's found out by Chirac. He kind of knew this whole time, and the emotion she has um, sort of gave her away because she was willing to protect her family. Her. Right. Uh, husband and son and in that she she got them killed so yeah unfortunately um, yeah, that was that was crazy but to be fair she was kicking ass the whole episode though well, she, she was, was. <laughs> she was. She grabbed that gun the way she was it was like she had the auto aiming on yeah boom um, yeah, i just i was like cheering audibly when um She's just walking through the building, the headquarters or whatever, and just not not even phased by the bullets. Like that's right. Like, yeah. right. She was on. I was like, I need this video game now. Oh wow. Yeah. That would make a good one. And then with Maeve, she um I guess she sort of trained up, went back to Nazi France or whatever. Yeah. Um assembling a team because if she's going to go against the Lord, she needs, she needs help. Yeah. And unfortunately she finds a Dolores there and we had to say goodbye to Hector. So, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty bad, but, but that's got her riled up. I mean, everybody's riled up in some way. Dolores has been riled up the whole right. season so far. Right. And this is sort of giving everyone motivations to, to right. bring, you know, so we only have two episodes left. So, and like I was, I was talking to Candace, my sister, and I was saying that I think episode seven is going to be the big episode. I feel like eight will have its good parts, but then it's going to kind of, right, kind of lull us into whatever comes next. But I feel like this coming Sunday is going to be crazy. Yeah, because we're supposed to get more backstory on Caleb. Exactly. Right. Who he was, what he did, what his purpose in this whole arrangement is. It should be interesting. All right. Next, we had the series finale of The Plot Against America, part six. I felt this this is what we were waiting for. Right. All, I'm pretty sure all the episodes are pretty good, but they were just building up, laying out the world, the character development, the arcs. This episode was exception yeah there there needs to be some emmy nominations handed out definitely um <laughs> oh go ahead go ahead oh no I was, I was just gonna say one thing i was just gonna say it was it was so tense that was yes yeah. and that's what i loved about it it was it built the tension perfectly without having to show you know um excessive violence or or anything like that to where most shows like this seem to hone in on the violence and the trauma and showing you bodies and blood and things like that. Right, exactly. Where this, it just built on the tension. We already know 
what this is and it just did it perfectly from one of the best scenes I think of the series with Beth on the phone with Sheldon. Yeah, that was crazy. Oh my gosh, that whole scene was just Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, because the, the first time he called, that one hit, you know, you could hear it in his voice that he was scared and whatever. But when he came back and he was like kind of screaming and just like, I was like, oh, damn. And then and then she had to get on the ground because they were shooting in the streets. I was like, Jesus. And I, I was nervous the whole time Herman and Sandy were in the, on this track. Cause, right. Because oh, yeah. this is before Interstates. Right. And you work to... To Kentucky, like yeah. that's no small trek, man. That's like days. Yeah, we, like I couldn't imagine, and ev- like at every corner, they could have just, you know, they did it to Sheldon's mother. Like the, it, mm-hmm. the risk was insurmountable, and then, um, of course, we get the truth about Lindbergh. Well, I mean, what about the administration, the rabbi? Right. He was being fooled as well. Right. And, I mean, we all knew it. Right. Herman and Bess kind of knew it. And, you know, they just didn't believe it. But then I think the part that got me, and it solidified Bess as the best character, is the way that she talked to Winona Ryder. She was like, (laughs) she was like, yeah, I love you, blah, 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 blah but don't ever come back here. I was like, damn. When she first called, she was like, why don't you go call up your Vosvin? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Then she kicked her out of the house. I was like, damn. She was done. Yeah. Yeah. It was was good. It was extremely tense. When I think the part where I thought it was done for Herman and Sandy wasn't even at the gas station it was when they tried to take that back road and there was that stoppage mm-hmm. i was like oh man this is not about to end well yeah i figured they were just leading folks into right yeah like a trap yeah yep. and then we had the final scene well not the final scene but um i guess uh the scene the dinner scene where alvin and mina come yeah Herman and Alvin have this altercation and it's just sort of like the result of all this and which right. side you're on and everything. And, and Alvin f- feeling pretty guilty because he's, he's realizing he may have had a hand in right. whatever they did to uh, Lindenberg. Yeah. Yeah, that was so crazy when at first I didn't understand what they needed him for. Then I guess they were trying to jam the plane, like mess up its frequencies or whatever. And, and I thought they were going to kill him when they were like, when he got the call and they were like, okay, that's it. You know, we're done. I was yeah. so sure that they were just going to shoot him. Leave him, in. him to not leave that field. Cause it was right. scary. Yeah. And even when he went to get, change the cars, I thought yeah. he was just, someone going to push him in the river. Or like, right. Or he's going to blow up or something. Yeah. It was, it was so tense. Yeah. It was a good episode though. Yeah. And wonderful series. I have to say, um, the the child actors in this were really good. I thought Sheldon he was, I mean, he'd never really had a moment until now to sort of yeah show his dramatic side, but he was good even in comforting Philip. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's changed him. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, his thing was he was his story was bad from the jump because his dad was already sick. Mm-hmm. And then he passed, and then yeah, it's like dang man, that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize this was a book, so I might have to. Yeah, I think it's Philip Roth. I've read a couple of his other books. They're usually long, but yeah, I've not read this one. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Really good episode and series. So hopefully they come knocking on the door for that comma war season whenever that happens. Yeah, I hope so too. And another uh, good episode of television was Killing Eve's episode two. Yes. Uh, management sucks. Yeah. Here we have the aftermath of Kenny's death. Um, everyone grieving in their own way. Eve sort of her grieving is pillaging on, trying to find out what happened, knowing that he didn't commit suicide. Right. Um, Carolyn realizing that she can't she can't investigate it. She's too cl- too close to it. Right. Um, and fi- finally let her guard down. And then on the flip side, we have Villanelle who is getting the taste of management per se, um, wanting to be a handler, which doesn't go quite well. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then she gets Constantine that uh, her ex is still alive and what that will do. So what did you think of this episode? Yeah, no, I thought it was good. It was kind of what you want out of Killing Eve where you get, you know, the action and kind of the good one-liners and the running jokes. Like, I thought it was hilarious when they were at the little party for Kenny and um, Eve kept messing up on trying to open the door. Like, when she was going in, she didn't get it. And then when she was leaving, I was like, that's funny. Like, that's that's good humor. But then, yeah, Villanelle trying to be the handler or the manager or whatever, that was good. Yeah, it's not as easy as it looks. She she's gonna go through it. Um, yeah. I, I thought this was a really good episode. Good performances. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. And um, Fiona Shaw, I think that's her name that plays Kenny's mother. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it, it was finally good to see her because she didn't break down completely, but she broke down in her own way when she was sitting in that car eating that sandwich. Like, yeah. You know, she's been so strong the whole show, and then to finally see her show some sort of emotion. Um, and I love this scene with her and Audrey. Um, I guess who was Kenny's coworker, girlfriend, or whatever. Yeah, yeah they were walking. That was a good scene. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how Eve works with the online staff, uh, Kenny's yeah. boss, coworker. Right. Will investigate. Uh, the presumed murder so and whenever Villanelle is with somebody I'm always certain she's going to kill him like I knew the little dude that she was training wasn't going to last long I knew that but when um what's his name the Russian guy that was her handler Constantine yeah when he came into her hotel room I was so sure that she was going to kill him like I just had it in my mind like is this it like Mm -hmm. you know so I don't know and yeah, good. what blew my mind is, I mean, we know he's still working for the 12, but now he's spying on Carolyn. Right, right. That just kind of blew me away. And I, the his, the woman playing her daughter is totally unrecognizable from her role in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I know who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, she, I mean, she looks like herself, but she doesn't look like herself. It was crazy. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, then she's just, you know, talking to Constantine, maybe not completely knowing who he is. So. Right. She just knows he's a friend of a longtime friend. Right. Which, I mean, goes to show her her past isn't as squeaky clean. So. Right. So. Nope. Should be a good should another good episode. Yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, we'll transition to No Concessions now, our segment on film and other things we've been binging. Mm-hmm. Um, this weekend, I watched Sailor and the Spades okay. on Amazon Prime, a film written and directed by, I don't know if I'll say her name right, it's like Teresha Poe, or mm-hmm. Teresha Poe, black filmmaker, her first film. Um, starred Levy Simone and Jarrell Jerome. It's about a private high school that sort of is ran by five corrupt factions. They all specialize in some form of illegal activity. <laughs> and uh, they're all kind of ruled by Sayla, who is Simone's character. She's a cheerleader. Um, and her senior year is coming up, and she's looking for a successor to sort of take over her faction, which is the Spades. And it's just a really good sort of teen drama, a different uh, a, di- a different take on that sort of 2000s teen film like Cruel Intentions or Jawbreaker. Not as campy, but definitely insidious, but really, um, really sort of an art house film. But it was really good. Um, the performances were strong. Jesse Williams, uh, co-stars as the headmaster. There's a cameo by Gina Torres as Sela's mom. So the cast was stacked. Um, it's not too long either, but it was a pretty good watch. And then, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. And then I started Bigger on BT Plus. It's a half-hour comedy, sort of in the vein of uh, Insecure. Um, it focuses on a girl named Lane and her four friends and just sort of like in their 30s in Atlanta and career and relationships, stuff like that. Okay. I heard it's one of the best things on BT Plus, so I'm going to try to watch it all this week before my trial is over. Okay. And you know what? I wonder if Atlanta is going to become like the new New York type LA for shows. I mean, you if think. I will. Yeah, because it's either going to be there or Chicago. Yeah, because there's a lot of new talent down there. Um, and so many shows already take down there. The Walking right, yeah. And, uh, just any shows. And with Tyler Tyler's studio down there, he has plenty of room. Right. So it, it's definitely becoming a, a, another beacon in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Okay, um, I think I said a couple of weeks ago I was going to watch this show, and it was unorthodox. And to be honest, first, I didn't think it was a show. I thought it was just a movie, but it was a four-part show. And it followed a young woman who grew up in, in the orthodox Jewish community, and she left. And, um, it, and it, she left, and she went to Berlin, and she kind of started her life there. And it was pretty good, but the only problem I had was some of the stuff that happened to her seemed 
undeserved. Like it was rushed because it was just four episodes. So there was a lot that happened quickly. There was just like, well, it'd been nice to see some buildup, but, um, but I mean, the acting was, it was, it was okay. And it was just a, like a nice little story. And it, you got some stuff you actually learned about the community if you weren't aware of it. So it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Yeah. No, it was definitely interesting. I think for me, the story, the best acting came when she was still in the Jewish community. When she was in Berlin with these kind of youngish people, it seemed, it, it was too like, I don't know. It was just kind of Different. whatever. Right. But yeah, the acting when she's in the Jewish community and kind of the story there was much more interesting. So, okay. yeah. All right, and then we'll get into some trailers here. As we previously uh, said, HBO Max announced their release launch day and some trailers popped up. Um, can't say much about them simply because don't really know what to expect. Right. Um, I don't think any of the J.J. Abrams projects were ready, will be ready for launch. But they had the um, what's her name, Kaylee Kuko show, the flight yeah. attendant, be a drama. They've got a drama with Anna Kendrick, um, Love Life, I believe it's called. Um, a trailer for <clears throat> their um, Vogue competition series called Legendary, which looks pretty interesting. Yeah, um, a new version of Looney Tunes. For the kids, I guess. Yeah. I mean, depending on the humor. And then they also had a, a late night show with Elma as a host, like a. Hmm. With open, I guess. Yeah. Which is interesting. <clears throat> um, Peacock Originals finally dropped their um, uh, trailers, which. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really all that into that. Yeah, and I mean, we get we'll get it free or whatever with ads, so I might look at it. But I'm not like Psych too. I never watched Psych. Mm. Um, a Punky Brewster reboot. I never watched that. So I think the Psych part may be the only part I'm curious in because I did watch that. And you know the show when it was on, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. The NBC is not really something I'm checking for. Yeah, they're gonna have to bring me something else. They have some like British imports. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. It's kind of harder than that to me. And then finally, we got the Perry Mason teaser, which would be an HBO HBO Max exclusive. This is like a retelling of, I guess, sort of Perry Mason's origin story. Um, yeah. uh, stars Matthew Reese of the Americans. Yes. Mason in like 1930s LA. So sort of like and a it, mystery thing. Right. It looked really, it looked pretty good. Like it could be. Yeah. Interesting show. Yeah. Um, looks interesting. I was a big fan of Pyramids as a kid, so it's a limited series, so it should be interesting to, to watch. Yeah. 
That's our American Sessions segment. Finally, we have our present feature presentation where we'll be talking about the first two episodes of ESPN's muchly anticipated uh, docu <clears throat> documentary, uh, The Last Dance, which explores uh, Michael Jordan's make of his career and the final uh, championship in the Bulls in 1998. Yeah. Um, so just first off, what do you remember most about Jordan and the Bulls during that tenure, like in the 90s? Well, I was still pretty young, so some of it's blurry, but what I do remember is kind of the, I want to say it was a rivalry because they beat him a lot, but their games with the Pacers were always intense. And, yeah. you know, being from Indiana and being down the street from the stadium in Indianapolis, being a fan of the Pacers, I kind of just remember, you know, like being a fan of Michael Jordan and just all he could do and how amazing he was. But at the same time, like, you know, uh, I still want to beat them. They need them to lose for the Pacers. But, um, um, but yeah, even, even as a young kid, I just, you can just, everybody remembers the hype, just, you know, Oh, it's the Bulls. The Bulls are gonna win. The Bulls are doing this. It was it was everything. So Yeah, it was it was it was definitely a time to be alive. Like for me, we would root for the Pacers, but once they met the Bulls, we had to go with the Bulls. We were just Chicago sports fans. So right, right. it's it's not it's not for nothing that the, the Pacers took them to seven games that year. I was just about to say that because and what will be interesting is when they finally get to the playoffs of this this whole thing that this this final season is that you know nobody was really checking for the Pacers they weren't supposed to be that good but you know they almost they almost ruined it for the the Bulls right yeah. right it, it just is a, a different time in sports definitely right right um so the episode starts out just sort of sort of syncing up like where they were at that time you know uh, Jordan's in his final year. Then his final one-year deal was like history, mind-blowing. Like yeah. thirty million dollars for a single year. Um, Cole just talked about like his brief hiatus and coming back, um, and basically <clears throat> discussing how you know this Bulls team was sort of the roster was sort of like on its way out anyway, like sort of what we yeah. saw. I've seen with the Warriors recently, you know, three peats and whatnot. Like after three, things sort of fall apart. Yeah, fall apart and change. And that's definitely what we're seeing here with from management and whatnot that they wanted to sort of detonate it all to sort of rebuild for the future. Right. Right. And then yeah. we get, we get some of the past. So we're we're jumping timelines in the pre well in the present, meaning the 90s, 97, 98, and then going back to the 80s, to Jordan's uh, college days, his early days um, in Chicago, and just just how he sort of built, built his reputation, how the other players came to fruition in that uh, formula, and really examining the relationship between him and ownership, specifically <laughs> Jerry Cross. Yeah, who, that that was a that was a big part of these two episodes. Yeah. So, what were you surprised to hear just from these first two episodes? I think the most surprising thing is, and I wouldn't have realized, like I said, I was so young, 
was just a treatment of Scottie Pippen. Right. Because I think when when you watch the Bulls or you saw something about the pool the Bulls, Scottie Pippen was always mentioned. You know, he was he was putting up numbers as well. But then, you know, to watch this and see, you know, you can understand his reasoning for signing that long contract, but then just kind of the, you know, this final season, the treatment and everything was kind of like, wow, you know, that's crazy. And and you get some of that. Like you said, you mentioned the Warriors. A lot of what we're seeing in this documentary, it happened last season with the Warriors and Kevin Durant and everything. Just Yeah. And we're seeing that bubble over as they're not playing now. We're there's right. no report. So you're getting the back and forth between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant and and the whispers and his feelings on Clay Thompson and this and that. And right. So it's definitely something that happens in, uh, probably in all sports, in these situations. People right. have egos and they want to be compensated fairly and whatnot. But yeah, I was really surprised by the, the stuff with Pippen and how they were really ready to send him off for Tracy McGrady. Yeah, like what? Like fresh limbs, of course. I guess they were looking to build right. for the future, but it's just yeah. wild. Yeah, it, it was very strange. And then I thought it was interesting how in the beginning, it, I think it speaks to how good Michael Jordan was, and you kind of just hit on it. When he got there in 84, whenever he got there, just how bad the organization was, how bad. Like oh, yeah. to see to see that nobody in Chicago, and Chicago such a sports city, was paying any attention to the Bulls, and then a matter of I don't know, three or four years, they're bigger than the Cubs. It's like, wow, you know, like I think that just speaks to how good he actually was. Yeah, and I know, like, they've had their low years before, but Chicago, the Bulls have definitely become, you know, the sort of high point of, like you say, Chicago sports, because Cubs oh. had that drought for so long. Yeah, the, the way he flipped around, very similar to – LeBron in Cleveland. Absolutely, yeah. He just turned it on, but you know, Michael was first, of course. Right. right. Um, yeah, uh, I really appreciated um, the interviews from different people. His mother. Um, yeah. I liked how they went into sort of Scotty's uh, background and just right yeah. kind of show where he was coming from and why he needed the money and right. a lot of people were positioned. I think uh, it, it was interesting to see kind of, well, you know how hard of a worker Michael Jordan is. And, and in a lot of ways, he's like Kobe. I mean, they seem like one and the same person that kind of headstrong, you know, they know what they want. They know how to go after it. And, um, but, you know, you always hear conversations about Kobe, Michael, and LeBron. But I think LeBron is just so different from them. I'm sure he's, you know, he wants to win, but I don't see the right. I don't get the same type of ego. You know what I mean? Like Right. He's he's definitely more of a team person. Yeah, yeah. Because honestly, it's not you always have to build a team around a player. Right. But LeBron definitely had you know, he gave Cleveland time to build, didn't work. Right. So right. And we never really saw that with Michael or Kobe. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Kobe was with the Lakers for his entire tenure. 
we had Michael with the Wizards, whatnot, but his whole winning tenure was with the Bulls. So right, right. that's sort of different. The Brian is great, but there is there's obviously a difference. And yeah, Kobe and Michael seem to be more aligned, more similar. Right. The whole thing with when Jordan's injured, which I mean, not being born until eighty seven, you had no idea like he right. suffered injury. His first injury in sports forever. And he literally was playing injured. Right, yeah. To, to build up to where his injured calf was stronger than his regular calf. That's very Mamba-like. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. And in some ways, it's kind of inspiring. Like, it's kind of like, you know, man, I wish I had just that kind of desire and that hunger. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of bulldozed a lot of his friends and stuff to... Uh, yeah, which we'll get into because Seth, you don't get to the top by being nice to everybody. Like, right, it's, no. It's not reality. No, I just can't wait until we hear from Dennis Rodman. Oh my God. Because he, he was such a pivotal part of that, yeah. that run. Yeah. And, and like his journey um, back then, he was, right. he was an excellent player, but such a of a magnet of scandal yeah think about it like in today's culture he was really really ahead of his time like he the things he was struggling with and trying to figure out were really sort of out of the scope of what people were thinking then if i'm trying to think if i don't know i think after when you if if you ever if I were to answer the question again, like what do I remember the most about the the Bulls, it would it would have to be just their dominance, and then it would have to be Dennis Rodman, like because he was everywhere. Just you know, magazine yeah. covers, just Dennis Rodman's wearing the dress, you know, his hair, his nose rings, everything. You know, he was he was definitely definitely different. And it's interesting that they didn't institute the sort of dress code until. Iverson, yeah, you know what I mean. Like that seems a little off, right? Right. But yeah, he was definitely just doing things different. And you don't really see that in the league today. Like you no. see piercings and tattoos, of course, which another Iverson influence. But you don't. I don't know. He was just a different character altogether. Yeah, he was. He was in a league of his own. Yeah. Like, so. Uh, they're talking to everyone, and we've got two more episodes this coming Sunday. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Um, yeah. But it should be good. I mean, I'm kind of curious as to where it goes. You know what I mean? Because like, we already know so much about the rules. We know there was turmoil, you know, in 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 the clubhouse and everything. It's just like, you know, what – what are they going to show us that we don't know? Right, right. We still have eight episodes to go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a that's a lot. Like, hey. And the folks were like, "Well, they skip this, they skip that." I was like, "Folks, we've got eight more episodes. They're going to hit right. it." So yeah, I don't know. It's and they really did reach out to everybody. You know, two former presidents. Yeah. Uh, couple, a college coach. Uh, um, I don't know how old his mother is, but. Jesus, she looks healthy, man. I was like, Good. I was like, wow, because Michael Jordan is how old is he? 
He should be almost sixty. Almost sixty, yeah. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yep. And I know, like, I don't know if they showed him yet, but the conversations with Kobe are just going to hit different now. Yeah, for it, sure. You're just going to be totally, yeah. totally a different perspective. Everything just, right. yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens because, I mean, it's about the whole team and not just Michael Jordan, but you know he's the focal point. So yeah. when they get to that part of his career where he takes that like 18-month hiatus, that would be interesting to really get his take on that. And then, yeah, those games against Kobe and everything, it should be. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. It's, yeah. it's really like – I know it's not the whole NBA's – tenure like the NBA has been going on before then but that was when the NBA like shot off you know yeah like internationally merchandise wise it became a brand right. and we had to tip our hat off to David Stern for like right. shit during the 90s because right. it's and, it's crazy right yeah I was just about to say Michael Jordan and David Stern did a lot for it and it, in in the Olympics too. Yeah. And uh, I think they mentioned that how him playing in Olympics really helped the game, and then helped him. And I had no clue Bob Knight was the coach. I had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh god. Like, hopefully, we don't see any more of him in this. But right, because he really doesn't have anything to say. No. At that point. IU was they had that was when IU won their last championship was 80 82 or something it, it was something in the 80s so yeah so Bobby was was at his peak right yeah and and headed downwards <laughs> <laughs> with the rest of the program yeah so but, yeah. all right we'll be looking forward to the next two episodes this Sunday on ESPN along with so much other stuff we'll just have to figure out when and where and what we'll be watching yeah, so um, much well maybe it will might be able to just like briefly recap uh this in not next time just to stay abreast yeah. of what's happening and whatnot um uh, before we close where are you streaming for the weekend um well i just saw it and it got up there yesterday on a uh, prime video but the lighthouse with uh, william defoe and uh, Robert Pattinson they play I think sailors that get abandoned at a lighthouse and it kind of just follows them in their descent into madness so um, yeah I'm interested in seeing that and then uh, I guess I got to keep an eye out for these other things popping up this weekend because what's the 27th oh that's next Monday no never mind we're fine yeah. I was talking about the so um, but yeah that's what I'll be checking about checking out all right, and for me, this Friday, 24th, Apple TV's series, Defending Jacob, premieres in the series with Chris Evans. Um, I'll yeah. be checking that out. I'm still trying to finish Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. rewatch. I don't know if I'll get it done by the 27th of May, but I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah, I, I just saw the trailer for that Defending Jacob thing, and um, I don't know. I kind of want to see Chris Evans in more serious roles. So Right. Right, because, I mean, 
I'm trying to think what else he's done. I don't know. Well, he was in Snowpiercer, so he has yeah. dramatic chops. He just hasn't really been able to flex them right. as of late because he was Captain America for a decade. Right, right. So, All right. Yeah. So next week, we'll be returning back to the Atlanta Missing Murder to discuss episodes uh, Ooh. two Three? and Two and three, yeah. Yeah. And until then, keep on streaming. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of It's a Streamable Live. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and make sure to follow us at AS Live Podcast on all social and streamablelive.wordpress.com. Keep streaming.